Hello, friends. Welcome back to Hype is My Superpower. This is an amazing podcast by best friend Steve Storm and Nabil Freeland. We are here for part two. Uh, this is Future Will talking and doing a really terribly rehearsed intro for our part two of Hellfire Gala because when we recorded, it went really long because there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy this and welcome back. We'll see you shortly. We hit the two-hour mark. Yeah. Or number Let's 19, see. rather. Number 19? Yeah. Oh. I have it listed as number 12. Oh. Party of the century. Start of this issue follows around Warpath, and we get sort of the follow-through on the character insight that... or Sorry, follows around Warlock. And we get the character insight from Warpath on Warlock that we had previously, where it's like, you know, he he seems really uh, uncomfortable with himself now that he is separated from Doug and he is mimicking people. And it's not that it's mm-hmm. like particularly annoying. It's just like, I want him to be himself. And so they they later have this like really great heart to heart where Warpath is like, yeah, I, I, I really miss Doug. You know, I, I know that I want him to be happy and being with his wife makes him happy, but I feel left out and there's a big piece of me missing. And, and Warpath is like, you can't just replace Doug, but you can still be a part of his life. So go, go hang out and, you know, make friends with Bay, his, his new wife and like, you know, and live it up. And that's so, and he does, and that's so cool. I love, yeah. I love, I love it when things work out, and that people <laughs> have just like good, honest conversations and and navigate interpersonal situations in these comics because these characters have been characters for so long, and right. they have letting them have these sorts of like deep relationships with each other that change over time is just such a good use of Marvel comics uh, of this long, long continuity. Uh-huh. Another note from this issue, Danny Moonstar is such a cornerstone character on Krakoa. Yeah. Like she is she is a pillar of support. In in a similar way as like Kitty or Storm are just like one of these people who are just kind of central to so many people in their relationships and like really minds and manages other people and and is such a yeah, pillar. It's just, I, I really like watching. And she's doing a similar thing with Wolfsbane that Warpath has been, you know, talking through with Warlock. Saying, like, like I'm sorry I didn't have time for you. I know I promised. And there's just been so many things going on. And, you know, gets caught up in the whole thing where Rain's son can't be resurrected. Maybe he's still alive, you know. Yeah, so even if he were in the resu- resurrection queue, he wouldn't come back, right? And they can't tell her why. And yeah, so that's a plot point going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually, conceptually, I'm glad that they're sticking with it. But like, I'm surprised that they're sticking with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this group chat is great. Mm-hmm. Just like 
it it works like a group chat. Somebody gives Sam a trolley nickname in the group chat, and, uh, <laughs> and Berto Sunspot is um, openly lobbying for his spot on the the X new X Men roster, and he's very very upset that Sunfire won instead. And then he leaves the chat. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As I kind of alluded, I'm I'm surprised that they're sticking with Wolf Spain's trying to find with Rain trying to find her son, but like she gave birth to a a child. Like, yeah, (laughs) it would be weird if they didn't. (laughs) Yeah, and also she's she's a great character. She's a, a. you know, she's she's a part of that New Mutants roster that hasn't been a part of the core cast of this title. So it's cool to see her kind of like being at least included in in plots more going forward. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'm 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 actually interested in where where that goes. Mm-hmm. And then the th- oh well, I guess there's. Thir- three, I guess there's four story plots <laughs> going through here. Yeah, because there's also Shan. This, there's Shan. Yep, and there's this this asshole named Barry the artist who is going around basically negging all of the new mutants and gets absolutely destroyed by karma. Yeah, yeah. grabs a drink tray and pours it on himself. Yeah, and then you have karma having a crush on. Gabrielle Diwa and finally gets encouraged by magic of all people <laughs> to f- stop pouting and questioning yourself and just go and make a move. Yes. Ask her, ask her out. Yes. It's <laughs> awesome. And she's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and Gabby's like, I've been waiting for this. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was cute. Scenes like that, where you're just like, this is, first of all, it's incredibly relatable, but like, mutants are going to have quote unquote human problems too, because that's just life <laughs> Right, is not always going to be a problem related to like mutant bigotry and stuff. Yes. And then you have the last plot point, last plot point of Gabby has been trying to Gabby Kinney, AKA scout. scout. Yeah. Previously, she's, honey badger. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's been sort of training with a bunch of these other younger mutant kids. You've got Kosmar and Anole and Martha Johansson and Rainboy, and they've all been hanging out with Amal Farouk and learning to push their powers and kind of like inhabit each other's bodies. And Gabby has been having terrible feelings about this the whole time. She feels like they're being used in the way that she was when she was an assassin for hire, or I guess just an assassin, like mind controlled assassin as an even smaller child. And so she's been like trying to raise a stink about it and get her friends out of this scary situation. Cause she doesn't want to see them hurt. Oh my God. And she winds up dead. And yeah. And she's not eligible for resurrection because right. she's, she's a clone. Cause she's, she's a, a clone direct of- clone of, of Laura Kinney. Yep. As opposed to Laura Kinney is a clone of Logan, but also birthed oh, Sarah, by Sarah Kinney. Yeah. Yeah. So she has 
spliced jeans and so she's like not 100% a clone. Yeah, I mean she's she's basically the daughter of a woman and cloned material of Wolverine. Of Wolverine. Yeah. So that's why she's also yeah. for for uh resurrection, but poor Gabby is not. This is heartbreaking. Yeah. God, I love I love Gabby so much and I didn't know her at all before the Krakoa era. Yeah, she, she was, was so much fun in, in the last few years that I hadn't read. She, yeah, she's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I love her so much, dude. I'm so sad, heartbreaking. Yeah. So she leaves. She leaves Laura a note, basically giving her the heads up of what she's going to go do. She's going to go confront Amal like one last. She's going to go confront her friends one yeah. last time. Yep. And if this doesn't work, then she's she's fine. Fine. She's going to yep. you know let them do their thing. So she leaves her note. She goes, and the next time we see her, she's in the brushes and white eyes rolled to the back of her head. She seems like she's dead. Hopefully, she's just passed out. I don't know. Like, hopefully, she's just unconscious. But she's it's it. It seems pretty fatal. I think yeah. And so uh, Laura reads the note and takes it to Akihiro. Because the three of them have like a kindred yeah. Wolverine-centric yes. <laughs> bond. And so they've gone on missions together and stuff. So anyway, she takes the attack of hero. And then we get to read Gabby's full letter. And it's basically like, hey, this is what's happening. I'll see you at the gala. I'm really excited to dance with you and have fancy food with you and be sisters again. Looking forward to it. See you later. And then... Uh, Absolutely heart-wrenching. That doesn't get to happen. Ah, just ah, so uh, so not cool. No. Next issue is Wolverine thirteen. Yeah, Wolverine. It, Wolverine thirteen kind of acts as like X Force Part Two. Yes, because that's what Wolverine was doing the entire time. Yep. And I, for like two pages in, I think this is what is that? What is that comedian's name? Chunky. Oh, he makes uh, like chunky uh, jokes. Fl- fluffy. Gabriel Iglesias. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that's him, I, right? I, <laughs> yes. I, I saw him. Yeah. 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 That's that's him. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So because uh, X Force ended on that cliffhanger of the Terra, Terra Verde plant, people going crazy. We are dealing with that. So Beast, being Beast, has to get involved in Wolverine. Gets involved. Quinted Choir is involved. And then the Marauder gets stolen. Oh, yeah. The ship. The ship gets stolen. And Christian gets thrown, gets Christian either Frost, killed yeah. or strangled and thrown out to sea. Yep. Is there is there a pattern in this water that's just like an ominous kind of cool artistic license thing? I think it's or just... Or is it... Yeah, I don't think it's saying who it is. Okay. I couldn't figure it out, but I spent like 10 seconds. <laughs> Domino's dealing with the other crazy diplomats. Deadpool jumps in to help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once the situation dies down, Beast is like, it's fine. We'll just reboot the system. We're good. And Sage finally puts her... You know, draws her line in the sand, slaps him and, in the face. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Nope, I'm computers. You're not. I'll Get the fix fuck this. Out of my office. Goodbye." <laughs> <laughs> and then th- 
we we've got a a quick note as to you know what it took to basically keep Terra Verde quiet and and resolve this. Beast refused to apologize or participate, uh, Sage says, but let me serve as his proxy. Terra Veridians would lay down their arms if mutants relinquished control of their country and allowed them political independence along with the following operations. One billion U.S. dollars. X-Force would promise to disregard all pharmaceutical and technological copyrights as it relates to terrafluoronic technology from Terra Verde, and they are allowed to change their vote on the Krakoan trade deal. And Terra Verde will offer in return a good faith agreement to not speak to the media about the coup. Jesus Christ, beast. Right. Logan basically kind of comes to a gentleman's agreement with the guy that he helped, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Like he has his own way of settling problems. He has <laughs> centuries of experience with this. Yes. <laughs> Let him be Logan. But then, yeah, the issue ends with that conflict resolution and then also Beast kind of getting scolded by Emma. Beast being like, listen, you need a bastard, I'll be that bastard. And I was like, damn it. But then you get the comms of just like, hey, something's up with the Marauder. And Emma's like, no, I had Christian was taking the logic diamonds from the Shi'ar to the bay. And they're like, nah, the Marauder is currently 200 feet off of Majipur and it's burning. And you're like, um. (sighs) More Majipur shit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, wild. Okay. And then, sorry, one last thing. Deadpool gets a, 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 a memo for the end of the issue and posits, among many other funny things, posits that Wolverine's trademark bub may actually be short for bubbles. It's <laughs> hilarious. All right. So we've got sword next. Sword six. Sword number six is the one I've been waiting for. Yes. For multiple episodes. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I still haven't oh, right. read Sword Six until this. Oh right, <laughs> yes, it's the revelation. It it's the revelation of the new metal. Oh yeah, so, like I'm just gonna call it Deus Ex Metal because yeah, this element does everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Sword Issue Six. It starts with a kind of an interesting. Conversations between Doom and Captain America. Well, even before that, you have stupid-ass Henry Peter Geirich trying to recruit Mac, Vindicator, or Guardian, rather, away from, you know, to to, to start away from uh, alliance with the X-Men. Yeah. And it it ends with, have you heard of Orcus? You're like, ah, crap. And it makes me, the way that Cap overhears that it's like he's making a mental note i'm yeah. just like shit yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, i if need Garage to look into Arcus. In uh... <laughs> yeah and then doom is like penny for your thoughts cap and he's like oh i don't know man this is yeah this is a lot <laughs> and just i really like that quote from doom well so anyway so cap says I guess I'm a little shell-shocked. You'd call that weakness, I'm sure. And Doom is like, oh, please. I have more respect for you than that, than you imagined, Captain. After all, (laughs) are we not both the faces of our nations? And you're like, oh, Doom. (laughs) (laughs) You're so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But yeah, it's like, 
they're just like, um, I don't know, man. It's a lot. <laughs> so Cap has this like introspective moment of just like, mm-hmm. listen, when I got pulled out of the ice, it was a brand new world. I was really nervous. I didn't know what I was going to be fighting for anymore. And then Tony shows showed him a video of the moon landing. And Which is hilarious because, you know, in comics, he was defrosted in like 1964 <laughs> and the moon landed, right. happened in 69. But yeah, let's go with it. Sliding scales. But it's always, yeah, it's always, it's like 15 years. Yeah, so of course. <laughs> as of now, Cap got unfrozen like 2010. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he's like, he like, he showed me the man walking on the moon and he did it for all mankind. And I I felt hope again. And then it hit me. Decades had passed since then while I'd been frozen. Where must we where must we have reached? So I asked Tony about Mars. Were there rockets? Were there bases? Did people live there? Tony gave me a sad little smile. Then he changed the subject. <laughs> and here we are, watching it all from the sidelines. Ugh. And then Doom asks us if he's afraid. And he's like. What kind of question is that? Afraid yeah. of what, Doom? The future? Because that's not who I am. Never have been. Despite everything I've been through, despite everything I've been through, everything I've seen others go through, despite all the challenges to come, I believe in a better tomorrow. I just hoped we'd all do it for the for, uh, together. And it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> this is uh, the, mutants, the mutants are being punished by Captain America's greatest superpower, which is to always be right. <laughs> Just, oh my gosh. Oh man. And and so here's the thing. If Hickman's Avengers run never happened, this makes more sense. Mm. <laughs> because yeah. there's a garden on Mars. And right. that's where that's where we met Ex Nihilo and Abyss, and right. that they were this planetary evolutionary system right. that was supposed to jumpstart the evolutionary system of the Earth. But like you know what it's fine, fine whatever. It's it's yeah. small, it's not that big it's a its deal. Own story. Yeah, you gotta let but like new stories be their own thing, and not yeah, be- it's not a it's not a big deal. But like, it it feels like if somebody made a big deal out of living on the moon, yeah, when there's already the blue area of the moon, right? They, the Inhumans have been there, Kree have been there, Uatu right. lives there, the right, Summer's right. House is there, yeah, like it just it kind of feels like that, but because it was yeah. only for one one creator's run. Yeah, it's not as important. However, this is Hickman against Hickman. Sure. He's huge on referencing himself and like using his own things. So I don't know. It's it's a little odd, but it's not. It's not. Maybe maybe this is why Hickman had to had to be chased out of the Xbox. He was like, oh, shit, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, okay, so now we're on. We have a scene on the peak of Brand has invited basically the Galactic Council yeah. to the peak to tell them hey mutants are a thing <laughs> we yeah. are entering the cosmic space with Araco and this is what we have to offer and we've got representatives from what the Regalians the Znarks the uh Kree Scroll Alliance the Shi'ar Empire the Spartax the Nova Corps uh, I'm leaving a couple out the Chimelians uh, yeah, you've got Chimelia. You have the Galactic Grim Collective, which is... Don't know what that is. They are the, for quote-unquote, forgotten planets on the outer edge of the universe. 
Mm. Oh, yeah, Chimelia. And then uh, Wakanda, the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda. <laughs> Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda and also the Utopian Kree, which right. is uh, Novar. Right. But all the heavy hitters <laughs> of the universe, with the exception of Annihilus is no longer part of the equation these days. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting that he would ever be, you know, well, on, he on was, a diplomatic council like this. I mean, there was are a lot of... during Infinity. Sure. He always only represented the Annihilation Wave in the right. negative zone. Right. And so, arguably, to your point, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have him be in this reality as a representative. But as a representative, I guess, like, they'll use him as a diplomatic representative to show how big of a scale we're dealing with. And this is just 616 with giant air quotes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so they're all meeting up. They have their their little quibbles, their their diplomatic quibbles because not everyone's on amazing terms with each other. Right. And they're like, yes, okay, we are officially putting a bid in for our our seats on the Galactic Council. Yeah. We are a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And I, I present to you this, and it is, they call it the soul, <laughs> S-O-L. Yeah. And it's basically like a God medal. Yeah. And this is the, the weird little polyhedron thing, star little objects that Manifold and the rest of the sword team have been mining, mining from, from like outer, from like other space yeah <laughs> from somewhere <laughs> i'm trying to find where they explain all uh, this I've, stuff I've got it. it right here it says it functions like a metal but you know more durable they they also call it mysterium right yeah mysterium yeah it's not hard to shape but once it's set cooled below 200 degrees kelvin it has the strength on par with a secondary adamantium conducts Electricity at 100% efficiency, barely conducts or retains heat, radiation proof. The ship holds a tenth of the normal thickness that you can fly through a sun. Computers that run at 100% efficiency forever and never fail haven't even begun to mention the magnetic properties. Put simply, this (laughs) is what comes next. Yes. And so Brand is like, as our bid to join, Mm -hmm. we offer you... Just a shit ton. A hundred tons. Of Mysterium. A hundred tons each. Uh-huh. And that's like, we don't even have to stop there if we don't want to. <laughs> and basically, all you have to do is just accept us and uh, we're good. Oh, they're, they're saying that the it's not the metal that's called the soul. It is yeah, it's the their new proposed new currency for the entire galaxy to use. A new galactic currency. They're like, I mean, you know, if you want to. I mean, the whole galaxy is in recession, they say. So (laughs) it is because primarily because of the Kree Scroll Alliance. Mm. By the Kree Scroll Alliance being the biggest war that has lasted for thousands of years, (laughs) it has, you know, created a market for empires. Mm. And by them ending their war, a lot of the market has fallen and Cree and scroll didn't use the same it's like the pound versus the euro right and it just it collapsed the galactic economy by removing such a huge war space 
it's wild. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, you get a breakdown of the different societies and if, if they've um, accepted it or not. Spartax took it on probably for the economic necessity, mm-hmm. as did the Galactic Grim Collective. And then Camellia accepted the Mysterium for technological uses, as have the Regalians and yep. the Utopian Cree, which yep. is pretty wild because Utopian Cree tech is amazing. <laughs> Shi'ar and the Xenerks um, accepted it f- because they are already Krakoan allies. They're just like, sure, no questions. Yep. <laughs> Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda says, nah, we don't need anything new because they have Vibranium, and yeah. that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> sure does. Yeah. So... This is this is them being like, yo, like if you ever need to deal with the earth, with the soul system, you come, you come here. You come to Araka. That's wild. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, and then we also you have Doom showing up and it's like, and he's like, what why why should I care? Who's going to speak for you guys? Yeah. You guys, you guys are a lot of disjointed peoples uh, and groups and teams. Who speaks for you? And then we get the reveal that Aurora Storm speaks for this the entire system. She will be the <laughs> galactic rep- representative Fuck for yeah, Araco and Storm. Soul. Fuck yes! Hell Storm. yes! Hell yes! And oh my gosh! And then we get a little post credit stinger here. Hmm. So at like three thirty in the morning, Magneto's chilling, having a si- having a sip, basically patting himself on the back for yeah. creating a new planet. You know what? Well fucking deserved. Yeah, seriously. And then you get a very late shower of Wanda. She calls him Magnus, mm-hmm. which is pretty, which is cute. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, hey, you know, I didn't know if I was like." welcome because <laughs> ah, <laughs> uh, like we're not blood like we've already established that you're not my dad right and he's like listen and she he he basically pulls a yondu from guardians too right and it's just like i'm i'm not your father but oh, i'm your daddy, your daddy. <laughs> yeah. it's like because i mean end of the day that doesn't change that he did raise her right <laughs> and pietro well he really didn't <laughs> he didn't know that they were his kids when they were with the brotherhood. Mm. Well, he was a father figure to them. <laughs> An abusive one, sure. Yeah. But like he was I mean, yeah. In the same way Cyclops looks at Charles as a father. Right. I, there's exactly. no reason why the and I think brotherhood this is more him as a father. I think this is more about you know, since then, it, he's gone through a lot of character renovation since those times. And so he, he wants to be worthy of, of her respect and, and to, to have, even if it's not a biological, you know, fatherhood, like he, he feels a need for some sort of amends between them. And the last page is them just having a dance. Yep. And you are yeah. my daughter. You will always be my daughter. And I will do what I must to make things right. Yeah. And telling the story about his other child, his other other child, not not yeah. Lena, but Anya, his his firstborn. Yep. Which that's, I feel like that's the first I've ever heard of it. Oh, I yeah, she, she's a long established part of his story. Yeah, I I 
Yeah. I've never, it's never been part of my personal Magneto lore. Mm-hmm. So but that's wild. Okay. So way of X number three. So there are the three rules of Krakoa. Not yes. in any order, in particular order. It's kill no man, respect Krakoa, and make <laughs> more mutants. I and so loved this, this is, issue so much. I was so, oh my God. This issue was amazing. <laughs> I did like this issue. So to start, we get the, the sort of story of, of why Kurt is drinking so much. And basically, he has through all this party, he has to stay silent about the revelation that Onslaught is on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. And so he's just kind of drinking himself into a stupor to bury down the nerves, essentially. Mm-hmm. We get like a, a montage through the entire party of him just kind of being drunk and approaching many different people. And one thing that he's largely doing is encouraging people to fuck <laughs> you know he grabs the mic in the middle of the the show and says the first law is make more mutants after all which i mean that's a beautiful thing to encourage Daz was like so you're a hookup app now let go of the microphone kurt <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends with him passed out where wanda magneto are dancing yes and then he wakes up the next morning I wake up the next morning and he is incredibly hungover. Yeah. And he wants a hangover cure that he knows that Dr. Nemesis <laughs> has. He says, he, and it's true, there's a Krakoffee that Nemesis has, <laughs> uh, has invented in quantum entanglement with Wolverine's liver. <laughs> <laughs> like how? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh my god and uh he's still raging at dazzler as he was in the in the previous issue uh issues and yeah so nightcrawlers he's kind of like he has a conversation with legion and he kind of wanders through sort of the aftermath of the party the after party the after 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 party on mars and everybody dancing and kind of like seeing everybody's walk of shame and we see, okay, this was ridiculous. The the aftermath of a hookup between Loa and Mercury. So Loa's power is sort of she, that she, Pixie's giving the breakdown. She says Loa can sort of shred things by touching them. And it turns out she can't tro- control it very well when she gets overly excited. And then you see Mercury's entire hand shredded off of the wrist. And she is pissed. This was... That's a whole new meaning to fisting. Wow. (laughs) So it wasn't until you decided to put it in that context that I thought of it that way. You didn't think of it that way? How is that not the first thing you think? Well, because I'm thinking of like when in Astonishing X-Men, when Kitty and and peter first hook up yeah and she just phases through the floor yeah like so i'm just thinking of them just like i was thinking of these two just like making out and her because i don't because it's her entire body has lois entire body has this power i assume right and so i just thought that it like unraveled when her hand was like on her oh no no she comes and and 
it it activates certainly activates from a part of her entire body yeah that i wasn't i wasn't thinking about her hand being inside loa yeah <laughs> if you, and you had give Mer- me if shit you had, for the beginning of this Mer- episode how okay. dare you <laughs> this is this is okay this is sex positive comics this is uh-huh. this is what i love so much about this issue way of x is the most sex positive comic marvel comic i've ever read it's great they're they're talking frankly and openly about sex they're making jokes about like and and they they talk as we'll get to with stacy x very you know in a very like direct and adult way about mm-hmm. you know sort of the what sex on krakoa on a societal level means and what what the does for people mm-hmm. and so uh <laughs> pixies like asks a uh, legion if she can help if he can help Loa and Mercury hook up without shredding the hell out of each other. And <laughs> she says that you and blindfold used to do this as sort of a psychic way, psychic sex. God, I wonder if that hurt. Having, I don't know what Mercury feels. Yeah. What her pain receptors are. I think mm. I remember a storyline when she was with young X-Men where like a part of her got detached and was stolen away. And she like, had phantom pains from it. So mm. I imagine it hurt quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so then Kurt comes across Stacy X like immediately after. How can you not see that as N- never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately was just her hand was on Loa, not uh-huh. in. Okay. That's all I saw. <laughs> uh. I wasn't thinking in. <laughs> anyway. And so, yeah, like Stacy X is going around the the after after party and handing out birth control, and and Kurt's like, "Hold on, You're, what are you doing? Like, we're trying to uh, we're we're trying to to make more mutants here." Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just like. Stacy's like, Crawler, last night was the biggest party mutant kind ever threw. A couple hundred super-powered youngsters whose role models dress exclusively in fetish gear let out to play. <laughs> you better believe I was handing out contraceptives. And she's like, Kurt's like, but we're supposed to make more mutants. And she's like, I heard you were, don't <laughs> oh start. God, I heard you were getting less Catholic, not more. <laughs> 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 so what you're the sex sheriff you'll never take me alive copper <laughs> and then we see what stacy's been up to stacy by the way extremely are you familiar with stacy at all she because she was not in, okay she was in during grant morrison's run of new x-men she was a character in uncanny x-men and she is uh she was a prostitute who can uh, who has like pheromone powers similar to duckhen Mm. And so she could basically like get people off for their wildest fantasies type of stuff, right? Like in a way that they could have never experienced before. So she was living in mutant town. She was working as a prostitute, et cetera, et cetera. And like most sex workers I ever know, she has the least taboo and most straightforward and practical attitude towards sex and reproductive politics of anyone on the island and she's Mm -hmm. like like you're all talking about you know so she's 
very like giving she's basically a one mutant planned parenthood where she's like giving out contraceptives but also being like hey and sex is like a a thing that people need it's it's a you know it has use beyond reproduction a way for people to get close together or you know so she runs this area called the bower for people, for couples to come together and spend time together, maybe have sex, maybe not inside of Krakoan flowers. And then Kurt's like, so this is a brothel in the Garden of Eden. And she slaps him in the face. And it, it says, like, basically, it's not uh, as for all of the, the, you know, make more mutants, the children that result from this. Like, there's no support structure for any of these kids like nobody's raising these children and so you know she also is working on a a very straightforward way of just uh you know making sure that kids are taken care of and that's also part of the bower it's so cool i love it meanwhile we have the the psychic hookup between mercury and loa and they're upset that you know people might be watching but legion facilitates it anyway and then they get to it's it's a very like delicate right like psychic intimacy of the deepest parts of yourselves and while they're in there they run across the onslaught fragment the patchwork man and they basically like it gets too deep into their darkest parts of themselves and they kind of freak out and the patchwork man you know explodes away in a cackle and Loa and Mercury. Yeah. Get very, yeah. very I angry. Mean, I mean, it's their, he kind of highlights their darkest impulses or their, uh, the most mm, not shameful side, but like the parts of them that they've been going out of the way to keep from the other. I will say also the subtext of this issue gives Onslaught's new Onslaught's origin a very new light because as we all know it was the the result of the psychic merger between Xavier and Magneto and mm-hmm. in this issue we have Loa and Mercury psychically hooking up and it's also very much concerned with sex and reproduction and here's Onslaught Onslaught is the psychic sex baby of Professor X and Magneto. So much more. That absolutely is a way to look at it. (laughs) You'll never convince me otherwise. I still think Onslaught sucks, but this is such a more interesting context for for that character. Man, his and his look is interesting compared to what we traditionally known Onslaught to look like. Yeah, where he's. But so like in this, it kind of makes him, I feel like this is more of a, like an onslaught junior. It's like a bird. It looks very avian, like a crow. Yeah. He looks like a scarecrow. Yeah. But like the way, so with his presentation being the patchwork man yeah, and that his like entire clothing is made out of different patches. Like, I feel like, I feel like this onslaught is going to be the pieces of the memories of the mutants who have died that get erased. Oh, that would be so cool. That would be so cool. (laughs) Yes. Let's go for that. That would be awesome, man. That's what, so it's like, it's a different concept of onslaught. Yeah. And so it's, it's not the same character, but something new. Yes. It'd be interesting. 
cool. <laughs> Gosh, because then that brings back the trauma of like Domino that she had uh-huh. and all that. Like he's going to know all that stuff. Yes, definitely. Oh, oh man. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, so, and then we go to, and so um, Patchwork Man gets physically created and runs away. Loa and Mercury find out these darkest thoughts about from the other and they're disgusted by each other and they run away. Yeah. Pixie thinks it was terrible and, and Legion's like, honestly, <laughs> probably better now than, you know, down the line, which is the argument for most quick breakups. Well, but it's, it's, it's not even as much that as that it, he used their hookup as bait specifically as bait for the monster, like uh, for the patchwork mm-hmm. man, like uh, the, this wasn't about them. This was about what he was doing and that's fucked up, but yeah. Like they, they didn't yeah. really need to have this breakup or this, this intense experience because the patchwork man, you know, influenced this incredibly delicate psychic experience with each other that could have been this positive and, and beautiful type of sex and turned it into, you know, bait for an unrelated plot. Mm-hmm. And then, but we also have that character lost the weird gravity, yeah. lanky person who Stacy X is familiar with, uh, says lost, lost her powers during the Wanda Geddon, <laughs> constant pain, scared of every damn thing, traumatized. That's my bet. Broken in ways we can't guess, but she's great with the kids. Yeah. Says the gravity thing that she does that makes folks puke doesn't bother the little ones. Bones in their ears aren't formed yet. That's adorable. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So good. And then we have a frenzy beating the hell out of Fabian Cortez, which is always great. <laughs> <laughs> Fabian and Lost fighting each other, and then yep. Patrick Mann onslaught getting into Lost and feeding all of Lost's darkest impulses, and then runs away. We also have both Zorns here hanging out <laughs> with, uh, with uh, Legion, which is going to be interesting. God, right. It's too powerful. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then we've got the the sort of end bit here, the sort of final laugh before before the end credits or over the end credits of basically everyone's uh, hanging out and drinking and Nemesis is complaining about Dazzler again and Stacy X sees this and is like it's because you want to fuck her and does her, her pheromone powers. And he goes up and asks, uh, apologize and asks her to dance. Uh-huh. <laughs> and well, so Nightcrawler is kind of naturally creating this really interesting group around yeah. him. Yeah. That are helping show the different, like different perspectives on the, on the Kirkoan laws. And I hope that this helps feed into this religion that Kurt wants to put together. Cause like you have one side where like, so what are we supposed to do about this? Make more mutants thing. (laughs) And we see what happens. And like, I feel like, so I do have one problem with all these mutant babies. Right. Cause mutants aren't supposed to like get their Mm. X powers. True. Other than other than Madrox, right? So, like, if you if if that's and, canon, then they're and, all changing, but they're not. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I don't know. But the offspring of two mutants, maybe it's just going to be more pronounced. I guess. Yeah. 
yeah, like make more mutants, but like we've never seen anyone on Krakoa be pregnant. Right. But we have just babies that have no infrastructure set up for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is that's gonna be a problem. And I I love that it is t- kind of being addressed. And it's it's also very timely with, you know, the overthrowing of Roe and and you know, yeah. we really need to to have more frank and realistic uh expectations towards reproductive politics. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you have, you know, Stacy's perspective on on this kind of stuff, but then you also have Pixie's experience with what Legion was doing in this issue of just like, well, you know, secrets are also important. Like we can't just force mutants to go and hook up and be together and <laughs> right. all this other stuff. And it's like, exactly. So we need to figure something out. Yeah. And like, that's, that's a great mission. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So cool. Yeah. It's so interesting. And then, and then, yeah. What's his face? Nemesis is like, well, what if I did hook up with Tesla? <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't it wasn't his conscious idea, but it certainly no. was. I mean, that's again, Stacy's Stacy's powers only work on desires that are already there, much like oh. Duck Hens. So I just like the the implication that, you know, all of this negative bullshit that he's been bringing is, is out of repressed desire. Because <laughs> yeah. he's been, yeah, yelling at Dazzler for several issues now. So X Factor Ten finale. Oh, I also loved this issue and this whole series. I'm so sad to see it end. Yeah, me too. I would say that there's two main stories going on here. Yeah, I guess there's the one of Prodigy. Yeah, he basically decides to solve his own murder because he doesn't remember dying yeah uh which checks out yeah. <laughs> so he gifted himself a phone with a video on it from the past and that came with the costume his hellfire costume that he's wearing now and said like wear that and go here <laughs> yeah and in the name of time long story short he follows the breadcrumbs and finds this guy who is known for wooing and then killing black homosexual men. Yeah. Young black homosexual men. A a film producer in L.A. with a mansion in Bel Air. And by the way, goes by the name of Buck Thatcher. This is a very clear reference to a real world person, a guy named Ed Buck, who was like a serial predator uh may have killed as many as 10 young men in la and was like a, a wealthy mega donor to the democratic party i did not know that yeah holy crap wow yeah wow yeah so prodigy confronts this man he wants to kill him but you know the laws right and then iboy sh- shows up and he's I like boy. hey and prodigy's like what what are you doing here it's like well I, I knew you lied. I could read your micro expressions this yeah. and the other. So, <laughs> and then we get this revelation that iBoy is much more powerful than we ever could have yeah. assumed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, and he like shoots light. Yeah. He does some sort of like third eye opening you know, hand gesture maneuver 
between his hands and then, yeah, shoots this super beam. It looks so cool. It does look really cool. I think it's a bit much, but yeah, sure. I mean, iBoy has a projectile now and right. it's strictly photonic because he blasted this guy and he's like, holy shit, is he dead? He's like, nah, he's just going to need a lot of sunscreen later. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly like, okay. radiation poisoning. Right. <laughs> he basically did a solar flare but yeah. with his hands instead of his forehead. And then turns out on his way there, he summoned other members of X Factor yep. to help them retrieve evidence to prosecute this guy, to prosecute Buck. Yeah, solves that little plot point. And, and it ends with Prodigy just being like, bro, like, I didn't realize how insanely powerful you are. And he's like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of by design. Well, it's not just powerful. He also said, uh, you're, you're just sharper, you know, because mm-hmm. he acts as this, like, you know, kind of spacey guy. And he's like, well, all this is by design. I act a certain way because it gets results. When people let their guard down around me, I can read them all like a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's yeah. such a cool character insight, you know, yeah. as to why this guy, like, to, to build a more interesting character out of this kind of like really weird idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Like they all show these tiny secrets tucked away in their body language that they aren't saying aloud. I'm kind of super literate in all things hidden. Actually, I'm generally fine with it. I think it's kind of weird. I love it. Like it just like it. They're making him like more useful than like Doug Lock. Yes. They're like doubling up on Doug Lock, but then also letting him be able to read magic and <laughs> like see magical residue and see saying. microscopic. And yeah, like the, the things his, his resume is incredible yeah. at this point. It's true. And then also to give him a projectile, <laughs> it, it feels a bit Fair. much for one character. Fair. I do like it. I think it's awesome. But like the I I felt weird when they did it with Doug Locke when he's like, I can read body language because it's a language. <laughs> <laughs> and then now they're also doing the exact same thing with iBoy because he's got can more see everything time right now. Sure? And it's like, okay. But then he can also see every single light spectrum. And then right. he can also see microscopic. And then he can also see through walls. And <laughs> like, you're like, oh God, okay. What can't he do at this point other than fly? <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's a bit much, but like it's on a character that has already gotten popularity and 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 points before he had all this. Yeah. And so there's there's it's not the an like, argument oh God, of like how do we use this character? Like yeah, it's like it's like a cool. And, it's been yeah. earned. Yeah, yeah, we've seen him since the beginning when he was super awkward with all of his eyes, and now yeah. look where he is now. So he has this really cool arc, but also he's so powerful. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like they took they took from the conversation of like Quicksilver of how he was trained to read micro expressions. Yeah. And so like they gave him that. <laughs> yeah. They give him Doug Lock. They get like it's it's a bit much, but whatever. Yes. Fine. I've said it's a bit much so many times. <laughs> so with the exception of the cliffhanger, that is kind of Prodigy and iBoy's arc. And then uh I guess I guess that's pretty much I've got a few other me. things. 
I liked the uh, the conversation between Kyle Jinnadu and Steve Rogers, where he's like, mm-hmm. wait, you live in Krakoa and you're human? <laughs> sure am. Enjoy the party. <laughs> the North Stars send off for Polaris to join the X-Men team. And uh, Jean-Paul just being like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. We'll miss you. You'll always have a home with us. Uh, just the, the, Leah Williams. In these 10 issues, Jean-Paul has really grown. A lot. Leah Williams just takes the time to just love on her characters and just like mm-hmm. all of the like when you're writing an issue of comics, you're really limited by space, right? You you the pages are only so uh, large, the the issues only so long, and as I'm like struggling through writing an issue of comics right now, like I'm I'm trying to figure out like what gets cut. Because there are so many things that I feel like need to get said or done for the plot to move along. And I feel like it's the character moments that are being left behind. And I'm just absolutely like love the way that Leah Williams is focusing on the character moments, making those the main deal and working them into everything else. Like all of these little conversations, these side notes, everything going on, like it all works. And so we also get some uh, revelations about Jean-Marie and Dakin. We learned that Jean-Marie killed Eddie, the guy who killed her, mm-hmm. and that Akihiro Dakin went back and killed all of his uh, bigoted buddies in the hate group that attacked her. Uh-huh. And we start, and then later, you know, they are the ones who are called to Prodigy's aid. Uh, prodigy and iboy's aid in the uh the the mansion of this the uh serial murderer and they kind of like you know they it, it kind of gets them both off they're like you know like telling this guy off and and putting him down and and just stop looking at me like that i could hear like what like you're turned on how could i not be that was like watching you play with your food haha <laughs> flatterer devourer and this has been such like a healthy and positive this relationship has been so healthy and positive for both of them but i can kind of see it turning the other way as well and that's uh-huh. interesting to me too like there is a dark side to these two characters getting together and i'm interested in seeing that explored further it's also conceptually it's kind of fun that Ken just refuses to wear shoes <laughs> yes that is awesome and we get, you know, other sides of the um, Richter Shatterstar and, you know, Kyle, or sorry, uh, Wild Child, because there's two Kyles, Wild Child and Daken and Carmen and Iboy. Like, we get the other side of all those scenes, and that's nice. And then, yeah, I guess we're ready for that uh, that end, end part here, yeah? So, yeah, Tommy. Oh, yeah. Speed. Tom- Tommy shows speed. up. Yes, I forgot about that. Because another one of uh, iBoy's talents is, is like, I can read people. I can see exactly who or what they want most. And so he and Speed and Prodigy have a history from their time on Young Avengers. So he brings them together to hook up, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. Directly after that, they're walking and they see some boots laying on the ground yeah. in some bushes. And Speed's like, wait, what is that? Uh, we should go over there. And iBoy's like, uh, no, 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 you, you do not go there. And then Tommy's like, but what if it's someone who needs help? And then iBoy's like, no. And he shoots his light at him. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, dude, what the hell? 
And without reacting to that, he yells at Prodigy to call Northstar. He's like, go get him, go get him, because he's the leader of the X Factor. And then Tommy sees what who those red boots are attached to. Yep. Is mom, mommy. And then immediately that's when iBoy gets there to, to hold speed. Tommy and Northstar gets there. And he's like, what's going on? Oh, Wanda. And it's a dead Wanda and with either shadows or hand marks around her neck. Yep. Yep. And she was last seen with Magneto and Kurt was a potential witness, but extremely inebriated. Yes. So the book that I have, the collected edition of Hellfire Gala has this full page follow-up picture that just has a caption that says to be continued in the trial of Magneto. Mm. And it has in the foreground, Wanda dead on the ground crouching right above her is Logan. Yeah. And he says, where's Magneto? Yep. And then behind them is Xavier, Jean-Paul, Gene, Cyclops, Magic, and Beast. I do have that. Yeah. It's an interesting. Yep. That he was the first suspect and presumably Wolverine senses told told him that uh yeah. where's he Magneto? smells smells him on her he probably smell sure. yeah, yeah he probably smells Magneto on her and it's like well <laughs> yep yeah did you also get the goodbye letters from the creative team David Baldeon and and Leah Williams I did not get those oh they're heartbreaking just like we loved being on this book. It's so sad that it's ending now, but we're excited for whatever comes next. We love the time that we had with these characters. And I have to say, I, t- I know I've been talking about this a lot, but I just really like the focus that this book t- took, not just on like giving space, like not just on like in terms of like prioritizing characters, but the version of character development. I feel like so I've been watching a lot of the Claremont runs videos on, on YouTube lately. Claremont run is a uh, great uh, X-Men or or a Twitter account that uh, follows Chris Claremont's run on uncanny X-Men throughout the seventies and eighties. And, you know, gives like a critical eye. The, the person who runs it is a researcher at a university in Canada. I would really love to get him on as a guest on the pod sometime, but he's made the point that like, Claremont's version of character development is to just torture the shit out of your characters. Just put them through hell and see what happens to them and how they react. And I really like this is this feels like a very different version of trying to do the same thing. And I've noticed it with Vitayala's New Mutants too, where it's it's less about just torturing the hell out of your characters and more about giving them space to talk about things mm. and seeing what comes up. You know, and and just the the idea of making a compelling story out of loving your characters rather than punishing and, and beating the hell out of your characters is a really cool and different standpoint towards writing uh, and writing these long running serials in a way that like I really want to see more of, and I'm really really thankful that I got to read this. Yeah, I'm. E- not, I don't know about equally, but I'm yeah. also sad that it is. And like, it doesn't make sense that it's ending. And we, we mentioned this on our last Krakoan X pod of just yeah. like, mutants are still going to die. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're going to still need, like the team X factor is still going to be needed 
And just because Polaris is joining the X-Men doesn't mean that the team shouldn't keep going. So, I mean, and that's not to say that the team is ending. It's just that the title is ending. Right. So maybe we'll see them on a different title. Exactly. I I want more of this. I I love this group, this team, both on the writing end and on the actual reading the the book end. Yes. Just, it was, it was a lot of fun. And thankfully Leah Williams will continue on X-Men titles. Uh, after this, she wrote the trial of Magneto and also an exterminators series, which mm. I don't know if it is a limited or ongoing, uh, series, but that is part of destiny of X. Interesting. I'm cur- so coming off of your entire monologue about, torturing versus giving your character space yeah with that approach how do you write the trial of magneto yeah i don't know i mean i could see you know the same writer doing a very different style but i really like the way it worked here Mm -hmm. okay so what do you have next switching over uh next was children of the atom cool whatever issue number this is number six yeah children six so at the end of the last issue, so okay, who are the children of the Adams? These mm-hmm. basically fanboys of the X Men, who ha- we found out in the last couple of issues that they bought alien tech off of the black market and figured out what the tech did, and then fashioned themselves X Men themed costumes and tried the whole superhero thing. Yep. Call themselves Children of the Atom. They have uh, like a social media page. And called themselves mutants, although that largely turned out to not be true, with the exception. They call themselves mutants. Yeah. And then we found out at the end of the last issue that Carmen is actually a mutant. And her mutant power is to shapeshift. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a big fallout and falling out within her group of friends over the fact that she's a mutant and the rest aren't. Jealousy, things being said that probably shouldn't be said. Buddy comes off as kind of a prick. Buddy, a.k.a. Cyclops, lasts. And it's like, well, cool. Hope you have a good time at the party. Enjoy being superior with your new people. It's like, whatever. And goes... And there's also a funny scene where she's trying to come out to her family as a mutant. (laughs) And and they're like, well, we know you're a lesbian. This isn't a hard conversation to have. <laughs> she's like, no, you're not listening. <laughs> yeah. And she knew that was going to be a hard conversation because of the like offhanded comments that yeah. her father has made, her stepdad or adopted yeah. father yeah. Has, has made in response to the mutants being in the news over like the history of her living together with him mm-hmm. that he just he doesn't like or doesn't support the mutants and yeah. like borderline bigoted against them and for her to be a mutant and to tell her father who has said these things yeah that she's a mutant i can't even imagine totally it, it's also really funny a, a funny way to sort of like foreground the the parallel between being a mutant and being queer that has existed for a very long time, but within uh-huh. an age of accept, uh, increasing acceptance of queer people, that your parents can be like, yeah, yeah, we, we know you're queer. It's like, no, no, I'm a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. 
Oh, and she made her own dress for the Hellfire Gala. Yeah. And Which even Jumbo Carnation thinks it's great. So she goes to the, the gala, has a great time, gets shown around by iBoy because he's amazing and he does everything. And we also have a fight scene where the rest of her team without her face off against the horticulture. <laughs> yeah. Old ladies who have been uh, who have their own like biotech. Yes. Crazy old plant lady villains. I love them. Yeah. Introduced in the pages of X-Men. Yes, I believe. Yes. Like Krakoan X-Men, I should yeah. say. And, you know, Carmen comes to their rescue and they all they all hug it out. And Carmen and Buddy profess their love for each other finally and finally, you know, get together. And the team's back together and uh, friends forever. And <laughs> that's the end of the series. Oh, is it the end of the series? Yeah. Oh. Huh. I don't have wow. the same feelings about this this ending as I did for X Factor, but this ended up acquitting itself pretty well. It's a pretty I felt it was a pretty standard like young adult story, but it's not su- totally my cup of tea. But it, I think it was well executed and it was uh, it's good time. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I didn't know. I guess it makes it if it ends with this, it makes it so it was a one shot introduction for New Mutant. Yeah, as opposed to like a new team, and I guess that's fine. Mm-hmm. And can, big picture, I don't know how you keep on telling this book. No, with after you've revealed that they're pretenders, and you you had you created, you introduced, and solved the conflict of one of them being a mutant. Yes, <laughs> within one issue. Like, yeah, it it doesn't need to go on because yeah, I mean this was this was really a coming out story slash kind of examination of the allegory of like race and, and sexuality and mutants and being, being young and all that. So yeah, pretty straightforward story wrapped up. Well, mm-hmm. there's also an old meme alert in this issue. Somebody said, don't tase me, bro. <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> you don't remember that one? Oh man. The, the, anyway, <laughs> don't tase me, bro. What do you have next? Uh, Marauders. Cool. Marauders number 22. Yes. Which within the chronological order of the issues is timely because the last issue you got the flashback to mm-hmm. the Hellfire Gala, the old Hellfire Gala. Right. And now you get, now you get to see, well, it's not, it hasn't, it wasn't, it, that's not how it was. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, you're talking about the, the Lord of Chantal plot here. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is the cover art? Yes. We, on the first issue, we, we get a, a scene, you know, Emma's flipping through the news or wait. Yeah. I believe it, it seems like it's Emma flipping through the TV news and seeing, you know, the morning talk, sh- talk shows talk about, you know, the repercussions from the Hellfire Gala terraforming mm-hmm. of Mars introduction of this Phelong guy the Phelong Industries guy who will become coming up shortly. And then the whole UK pulling out. Yep. The, the Brexit. Brexit. Yeah. And they say, we hope this is the last headline <laughs> to come from this Hellfire Gala. And well, that's so as weird. long as you guys don't n- learn about Wanda Scarlet Witch, then we're good. <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah, the cuckoos come back from the party, the after party on Mars and they see 
Wilhelmina Kensington of the uh, the Kid Hellfire Club battered and freaked out and holding a dead puffin on the beach. And they're like, oh, I thought we fixed her. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a thing. Uh, I'll just I'll just jump ahead for that because it's a quick resolve. They went into her mind. They showed her repressed memories of the way that as a girl, as a little girl, she was abused by her dad. She started killing animals to to kind of like as a way to displace that hurt. And then she uh, murdered her mom, threw her out a window and was able to sort of repress those memories. And the, the cuckoos brought those out. She's re-traumatized, but they said, they're like, okay, well, let's, let's uh, put her back together. Now, if there's violence, let it be directed. You must remember. They say, it's not your fault. This isn't happening. It already happened. And you had a bad daddy. We just found him if you want him, uh, us to visit with you. She says, yes, I do. So Wilhelmina says, why are you helping me? She says, our mom taught us that we need to look out for other women when men take advantage. And then that cuts directly to a scene with Sebastian Shaw, who is now up and walking, by the way. Yeah. And just to, to square off the Wilhelmina, uh, that, that is the end of the Wilhelmina plot. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm curious where that's going to go. You want to talk through the Shaw plot? So Shaw, I guess, had a conversation with Xavier and was like, hey, there is a dead mutant who I saw die right in front of my eyes that I would like to bring back with the resurrection protocols. That being Lordis Chantal. Yeah. Xavier's like, yeah, about that. Okay. (laughs) So now he has a psychic private conversation with Emma. And he's like, hey, so he came to me with this request. I did a little bit of digging and I was surprised at what I found. Yeah. The real question is, are you going to tell him or do I have to? Yep. She's like, ugh, fine, I got it. <laughs> so Emma, at the end of what seems at the end of a quiet council meeting, is like, hey, uh, Sebastian, we gotta talk. And he's like, Yeah, I've got somewhere to be. She's like, nah, you and I need to talk right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what are you talking about? And he's like, listen. I know, I know about your request for bringing back Chantal. Here's the thing. She can't be resurrected, primarily because she didn't die. <laughs> and he's like, um, excuse me? He's like, yeah, um, let's do a little flashback. So, <laughs> so we, get, we get a flashback story about uh, Chantal before that Hellfire Gala where she dies approaches Emma with a black eye and she's just like, Hey, could you help me with this? She's like, yeah, of course. And she's like, yeah, but could you help me with like more? <laughs> yeah. So she's using concealer on the black eye and she's like, no, I want to get out of, of uh, Sebastian's orbit. And he doesn't let people go like that. Like yeah. she says, getting out is going to be more difficult than getting in and getting into the Hellfire club is Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, okay, like, I don't know when it's going to happen, but when the opportunity, when the opportunity presents itself, I will help you. And yep. she said, okay. And then the Sentinel attack happened and Emma leans over to Chantal and she's like, Hey, here's that opportunity. Yep. You ready? She's like, okay, let's do it. So she, so Emma tricks Sebastian and Leland into seeing the Sentinel kill Chantal 
and has them react to it. And then they single-handedly take out the Sentinel. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Emma arranges for Chantal to get out of there and her last little thing, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Another throwback to the fact that she used to work for Kingpin. Yeah. Which we've talked about from yes. Couple my episodes. coverage of Devil's Reign. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. And so Emma takes Chantal and is like, all right, Kingpin, I need you to arrange for this woman to disappear in, you know, as payment. She does have some skills. Like you could mm-hmm. use her for like a couple missions tops. Yeah. And he's like, cool, but I'm going to need you to do some stuff too. And he's like, excuse yeah. me. She's like, yep. <laughs> but we don't know when, when that's going to pay off, if yeah. that's going to pay off. And it probably will. Or if it already has. Or if it already has. So that's what she was doing while Sebastian Leland and Celine and everyone was was killing every single human of the Hellfire Club. Uh, and then you get back to the present and Emma just telling that all to Sebastian. He's like, there's no way that's true. And she's like, I mean, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and but look at what we've done. <laughs> Like we took over the Hellfire Club because of that. Right. You know, uh, as much as I hate you, like we would not have Kirkoa today if it wasn't for the stuff that you've done. So yeah, let it be. Yep. <laughs> Please and thank you. So that's kind of that's kind of the revelation there. And it says next London calling. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. What's next? X-Men number one. Yes, X-Men number one. Sweet. It's a really cool double issue cover or yeah. double page cover. I didn't have have a ton of notes on this. So, you know, it's it's the new X-Men team that got established during the Hellfire Gala. There's an Elon Musk type guy who has a uh, SpaceX type company who was in, uh, mentioned on the news, the TV news in the last issue of Marauders. Who is apparently the descendant of Nikola Tesla. Apparently. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, you know, sees the the news about terraforming Mars, which was his big, you know, his company's, he sunk all his money and everything into this and he's pissed the hell off. Yeah, because he's not the first anymore. Yeah. And he, he vows to make them pay, basically. Yeah. And then we get sort of the background on a a new real estate acquisition visited primarily through an interview between Cyclops and Ben Urich. Yeah. It's cool <laughs> to see Ben show up. I love Ben. He asks the real questions. Yes. But yeah, so they show up at the treehouse. Yes. The treehouse is the this new X-Men team's base. And we get a, a cool tour of it and all of the things going on as uh, as Polaris shows up. But also, it's a public park and sort of a, a ambassador area for Krakoa in New York. It's also a giant tree, and it's beautiful. It's also on corner of—it's it, basically, like, right across the street from Central Park on 86th Street. The 86th Street Transverse, which if I had known about this, I would have taken you there on our Marvel <laughs> tour. Because yeah. we were right there. Like, okay, so imagine, remember where the Avengers Mansion was? Uh-huh. So right on the other side of the park from there, like all the way across the park, uh-huh. Avengers Mansion is on 80th Street. 
So uh, up another six, uh, sorry, 70th street. So up another 16 blocks. Right. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we were, we were so close to it. Yeah. And yet you didn't take me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And right next to the uh, natural history museum too, which was another place I wanted to take you. Yeah. So fun segue for that. Yeah. There are, I didn't notice until this second time looking through, because uh, yeah. they talk about it, but they show it also. They have little like hollow cube displays of the mutants who have died in the past that they haven't resurrected yet. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I feel like what this are you is them. What do you do with bla- those once you, <laughs> it's like a well, checklist. So thing, I feel like this is them blatantly saying that they're not going to bring back the first Thunderbird. Oh man, that seems like, I feel like Xavier has too much trauma over that to not do it at some point, yeah. but who knows? Cause like he's on a display here yeah, out in the field, like people are going to notice. Yeah. And then to that point also, yep. Ben starts asking Cyclops some questions. Yes. Primarily like why the treehouse? why here, what are you guys doing? And then, and also like that it's called Seneca Gardens, yeah, which is a throwback to like the real Seneca apartments. Yes. I think that's what it was. The the black community there that was um, basically bulldozed in order to create Central Park. Yeah, he says uh, even though this park is a monument to mutant achievements and to those of us who never lived to see Krakoa, we think it's important to honor the place where we set roots, Mister Yurik. And then mm-hmm. Ben says, "Hey, so." Uh, I heard for the Hellfire Gala, these all came from the house of Jumbo Carnation. And he's like, yep, absolutely. He's like, okay, but I covered the story where he died. (laughs) And and so is he back? And Cyclops is like, hey, you know, there there was a lot of questions about that day. And he's like, yeah, there were, but none of which were, is he dead? (laughs) Because I visited the coroner and he was dead. (laughs) And Cyclops is like, okay, have a good night. Bye. So, <laughs> so the whole... humans are starting to catch on mm-hmm. that the mutants have conquered death. Which makes me re- like realize all of the deaths we've seen have not been, They've not public. been public. Yeah. Yeah. Because so Devil's Reign X-Men actually takes place a couple issues after this. And, and that subject still gets brought up. In Devil's Reign, I skipped over that when I covered it. Yeah, but yeah, this whole public perception of mutants dying because the rest of the world thinks death is permanent. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is for them, right? So that has been super interesting. And then there's also so Forge and Sync are working on stuff around the treehouse, and uh, Sync has copied Forge's power and that's why he's able to help. But then there's just like, so Forge compliments Sync on his like ingenuity here. And I think, and I feel like that is a follow-up nod to the fact that it has been noted that Sync's power is increasing. Yes. And so like, I'm really curious to see where that goes. Right. And so the, the sort of main conflict of the story is a big, you know, meteor type thing it seems like a meteor at first crashes down into the hudson river i'm guessing uh could be the east river but i'm guessing hudson and uh it's God, enormous yeah, this thing? it looks like a it looks like a evangelion that's been half ripped apart 
uh, it looks Ava, like a tentacruel unit. Yeah, it looks like an, a tentacruel slash Ava unit. It came <laughs> from outer space. Uh, the X Men fight it, take it down, etc. They build. They use their powers together <laughs> to build the X Mech. Well, okay, so it's also attacking psychically. Yes. Like, it's giving everybody the worst headaches ever. Yes, the entire city. Yes. Uh, it's just sending out these giant psychic tremors and waves. So Jean is doing what she can to protect everyone, and then in time for Lorna to create a giant metal bubble around them that helps protect them a yep. bit more. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then Sink is like, hey, so I still have some of Forge's power. I have an idea. And Jean's like, let me see. And she's like, oh my gosh, okay. And so she gives it to Polaris. And Polaris is like, all right. And Steel Sunfire is, is like, yep. Sunfire is like, are you serious? <laughs> are you seriously serious right now? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so they, yeah, they create a six person X mech that. Fucking Voltron, like, this shit. It looks like giant nanny a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Because it's shaped like a giant pill. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like something Dr. Robotnik would build. Yes, definitely. And it's presented that, like, it seems like each member controls a different limb, uh-huh. different place. Uh, like, it has a burning X. Yeah. And so, obviously, Sunfire's there. It seems like Laura is controlling some limbs. Yeah, she's like pulling on wires, and so is Rogue. Yeah, so is Rogue, and then Polaris is just keeping everything together. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> Cyclops unleashes a giant optic blast from the face. Yeah. Sunfire releases a giant X fire flame thing at it. Man, it's a it's a whole thing. And then they fastball special Laura straight in through one of its, you know, things and destroy it. And it goes down. And then we kind of get an idea of its origin. Yeah. We get a scene at Game World. It says where the worst people in the universe come to have the best time. And it's... It's like like geopositioned between two black holes. (laughs) Yeah. To keep that keeps it stationary because it's being pulled apart in two different directions. They, fine, they, they call it a a mind reaver. There's a bunch of people just like gambling at a at a table, and they says, "Ah, it failed. Your accommodations have been extended by rotation. We hope you play again." You know, and there's a big uh, fanfare for the host, somebody named Cordyceps Jones, and it is a evil brood looking fungus. Growing out of the skull of an astronaut holding a martini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he says, um, first, just you, my clientele, for sticking with this place through the change in management. We're going to have a lot of fun together. There's much to wager on, but I know the most popular game at the tournament will be the soul system. Earth has finally ruptured like a tumor, and now it's got to go. Let's dig out the Earthlings before the, they ruin a planet we all care about. The contest is simple. Beat the Earthlings, but leave the planet. I can't stress the second part enough. There's no sense wasting a good planet already, already in a habitable zone. It'd be a perfect neighborhood if it weren't for the Earthlings. And then we get a little panel on somebody who's there at the scene. And it seems to be the High Evolutionary, a.k.a. Herbert Wyndham. 
Herbert Wyndham. There's also a couple scrolls there and then a bunch yeah. of other random uh, aliens that I don't think we've ever seen. I could very much see High Evolutionary being very angry at the mutants. He's not. He's not. Oh, God. Right. Plus, well, I mean, he has his whole counter earth. How yeah. angry can you really be? <laughs> yeah. And then you switch over to where is this? <laughs> A the, particularly evil part of New Jersey, deep in the ground. <laughs> it's the Oblivion Institute. And they are creating, they're working on creating like a new human that can withstand everything. Yeah. Basically, potentially like all mutant powers or something. So like you're subjecting to radiation and fire and poison and, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. So they're just like breeding and cloning these test subjects to, to continue testing and killing them. Yeah. And then he has this like your classic cork board, red string connecting cut newspaper clippings and and handwritten notes and has pictures of confirmed deceased mutants who are also confirmed alive. (laughs) Yep. Chief among them, Jumbo Carnation. Yep. So that's that issue. We also have a little ad here. Has Arako caused you distressed? Have you ever lived on Seoul's fourth world? Were you born on Mars, lived on Mars, marooned on Mars? You may be entitled to compensation. Has the terraforming of Mars caused you any emotional, physical, or psychic distress? Contact Blurred, space lawyer, (laughs) with offices on Chandelar, Airy, Mall, Timor, Emkron, and Chrysalia. (laughs) Chrysalisa. Chrysalisa, my bad. Chrysalisa. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I really want the main story or a big story of X-Men to be addressing the resurrection protocols. That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, we've got we've got uh we've got some interesting plot threads set up. There there's the um you know whatever's going on in the game world and high evolutionary. We've got this Elon Musk guy. We've got the discovery of the resurrection protocols. We'll see where all this goes. Yeah. It's also interesting because like superheroes are already have a reputation that they'll come back. (laughs) Yeah. So it is, I guess it's a little more curious why this is a big deal. Right. (laughs) But maybe it's a, yeah, I don't know. Cause like Xavier was publicly killed by Cyclops. (laughs) Right. X. So, and yeah, whatever. it is all. Yes. All right. So this last thing. Yeah. Is C.B. Sibulski, the official guide to the Hellfire Gala. Yeah. And it basically it has, I mean, there's an interview between Yurik and Emma. Yeah, that was fun, but it wasn't like huge. Yeah. And the green carpet. And then basically you have a bunch of the artist sketches for the different Hellfire Gala outfits. Yeah. So let's start with uh, with Emma's looks, yeah. Yeah. So Emma's looks from 1 to from 1 to 3 yeah. get more and more revealing. That's as true. Is Emma's I going mean, to. The first one she's she's wearing like a a white fur like what was the 
I have a memory of like a Looney Tunes cartoon with like one of these, but an orange and it's just a giant fur monster. And like, yeah, that big red guy. Yeah. 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 He was a, he was um, a Bugs Bunny quote unquote villain. (laughs) Right. But it's just a, a, a giant white fur. That's just like covering her entire body. And she's got this sort of like, with the exception of the X to reveal her breasts. Yes. Gotta have the, the X cleavage of course. And she's got Mm -hmm. this like chandelier ice headpiece and matching shoes. I think this is the most outrageous thing anybody wore for the entire. (laughs) (laughs) I would say her third outfit is the most Met Gala. Yeah. Of, her Hellfire Gala outfits. Yeah. Just like a, a gown of, of basically diamond strands, and she wears it mostly in her diamond form. Her diamond form. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only that. Yes. And then she has these super small gloves that she wears. Yeah. Her second one, she's got this sort of like PlayStation 5-ass looking headpiece of <laughs> making an X out of di- two different wings. Mm-hmm. Balancing on her head and a sort of uh, jacket, and that fur that she had before is turned into like a it's like a cape cape uh, tied around her wrists. That's a good look. It's fine. The third one's probably mm-hmm. the best, but yeah. All right. So Rogue, Rogue's outfit. Yeah, Rogue's got like a a crop top jacket with like a green camo undershirt. And then uh, with like a gigantic collar that kind of functions more like a scarf, matching boots with a similar outfit uh, thing, leather pants, red X belt, sunglasses. What, what's your opinion on this one? It was odd, but whatever. It's, so, it's I don't know. Like, yeah, some of the some of the characters, their outfits played to either their history or their powers exactly yeah and i don't feel like this did any of those i mean the, With jacket, the exception of the color scheme the jacket and the belt is very rogue yeah but the collar is so distracting it's it's a lot this wasn't one i loved mm-hmm. angel's look he's got kind of like flowy white pants open blue shirt and a sort of big gold chain kind of reminds me of his age of apocalypse look it's fine it's yeah. functional yeah. rogue is more high fashion here he's kind of yeah it's pretty high fashion too he's he's runway fashion yeah rachel's rachel summers creepy runway fashion slash it's fetish model which her costume always was it's basically her hound costume but with more spikes yeah. Bigger more spikes. spikes that she has control over yeah i don't love it which is cool her leash for amazing her baby. little war dog thing for amazing baby is hair Oh, I didn't notice that. That's weird. Yeah. It's really okay. weird. Captain Britain. Yeah, she's got the... Basically, I don't like this at all. It's kind of like a, a Victorian baby doll sort of like frock with mm-hmm. a Captain Britain vest over it. Yeah. I like the psychic butterfly effect around her, around her head. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like Polaris did this with her um yes with, with her, her with her x factor costume yeah and then i feel somebody somewhere really liked it and they're like i want to do that for all the people yes <laughs> there's a lot of costumes that had floating aspects yeah storm is basically wearing a version of a hero costume with kind of like a gold shoulder piece but she's got a gold lightning bolt in her hair which all fades away into a sort of wind 
as does her cape, which is just a dark cloud with lightning bolts going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I her cape, it. her her cloud cape is awesome. So cool. Those shoes are pretty outrageous, but whatever. Kate Pride, she's got like a a pretty normal red dress with half of a like maroon coat strapped around it. It's a very odd. Uh, and then like big like thigh high boots and sort of like like a sigh or something going through her hair. Oh yeah. So I liked this one because it was it felt like a blend of child kitty wanting to wear a fancy dress which was a big cape. part of who she was as a kid she was always pushing the limits on fashion in her early days yeah. with the x-men and then adult kate being the pirate marauder cape thing yeah her coat penance <laughs> she's got a big like penance sh- sharp you know, shard, spike, peacock headdress type thing. And kind of just like Under Armour athletic wear with, with like a, with a like mosquito net gown. Yeah. Around her or skirt or no, those are pants. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Uh, Marvel girl. Pretty, pretty straightforward. <laughs> Green and yellow is kind of her go-to. Yeah. It, it looks like kind of a dressed up superhero outfit. It's fine. I did not like Cyclops. No, it looks way too much like his Phoenix Force Cyclops visor. But then he's got this weird, like, deconstructed X piece on on his jacket. And yeah, it's too bulky. And I get that he would want to project the superhero fashion vibes more than anybody, but it just looks ugly. Yeah. Mastermind doesn't look like he dressed up. This is this is mastermind through and through. Yeah, he always dresses like this. Yeah, I guess it's an exception of his like yeah, like just giant robe, big Philly collar, etc. Yeah, just uh, just a Victorian era. Yeah, nobleman. Celine got a outfit. Yeah, black leather bodysuit, riding crop, uh, sinister style cape. Yeah, the only thing different about this from her regular outfit is that she's completely covered up yeah and that she has like shoulder pads yeah yeah it's fine i mean works works for this i, mm-hmm. I like the ones that are more dressed up and less superhero-y i, th- right. I think yeah, it's the recurring theme here matrox looks like an alien from the 80s he looks like this looks like a discarded martian manhunter costume or something i hate yeah. it yeah <laughs> i just really didn't like his forehead like again, so to to mention like you know homages to past yeah. either powers or costumes, like he has the the circles pattern on his shoulders, yeah. So he didn't need to have it on his forehead, also for sure. But it is what it is. Sunspot, yeah, he's got sort of a wrap coming from his left boot and uh, going all the way around uh, his thigh and then crotch and then circling around up to, uh, across his torso over his shoulder and then back down his right arm and then he's got another right boot and left glove. I like it. Yeah, it yeah. works. It because it, it's all orange and it works with you know the this power is turning the rest of him black. It it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Berto would mind it being that revealing. So I think he wants to show off his body. So I like it for him. It looks like a comic, like Greek God. 
Mm, I think that's why he was like it. Yeah. Laura <laughs> <laughs> Kinney Wolverine. Basically, it's it's something you would literally see at a shop. Like, yeah. there's nothing amazingly special. There's some design motifs that add that homage the Wolverine uh, costume yeah, with sure. the color scheme. And then, like, on her top, there's, like, yellow triangles. Yep. It's built for mobility in case she needs to dance. Right. Or fight. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it. I kind of thought yeah. she'd have a headdress of some sort, but. Yeah. Oh, well. I would have liked her to go a little harder, but this is fine. Mm-hmm. Sink, sink went hard. Sinks did go hard. I, I feel bad because, like, I feel like Sink and Mercury, because they had enough screen time, felt like the queer characters <laughs> all got rainbow motifs. Sink isn't cool. I, don't, I think Sink is the the rare non queer young person, both in the real was, world and in. Oh, um, I was thinking of. I was thinking of. Prodigy. Prodigy, yeah. I'm racist. All right, cool. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is more no, this is a representation his, of his powers. powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got that rainbow Not aura. His, yeah. Damn it. I'm terrible at this. All right. But yeah, <laughs> no, I the, really like it, though. Yeah, the rainbow coat with the black hat, black pants, mm-hmm. black top, black uh, boots. Looks really it's good. Very, it's very like uh, Run DMC. Yes, it seems very 2000s to me. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Cannonball's weird. Yeah. He looks like a musketeer. Yeah, he's got a big... Without the frills. He, he's got the the black with yellow lining uh, motif from his Avengers costume, but he's wearing just like a giant cloak. Yeah, it's not and so combat bad. boots. Yeah. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's, it's, it's not as flashy as I thought it would be. I like Sunfires a lot. Sunfires is really cool. You got the um, just the, the flame motif, and he's wearing this like emperor's coat. It just yeah. it pres- and he's got a matching mask with horns on it to throw back to his the mask that he basically wears for his costume. Yeah, it makes him look like a Japanese emperor. Yes, but like a modern like totally. I think this might be my favorite work. of the of the bunch. It's really nice. Colossus is good too. <laughs> yeah. So the next one you get just a full you get like a pretend interview article. Yeah. For Colossus. But basically, <laughs> Colossus's outfit has like phases <laughs> <laughs> when he's like. And it's so funny because he's not a regular in any of the books, right? I like, know, right? He's just in the background. I guess everything. he was for X Force for a little bit, but earned his escape from there. But yeah, he's got this sort of like translucent gray mesh top with some chains and then uh, this weird sort of like piece around his waist with like little leather straps coming up or diagonally. It kind yeah, of looks kind like of called to his, uh, how his yeah. skin looks when he's armored up. Yeah. It's kind of, it kind of looks like a Chippendales outfit, honestly. Like it looks tear away. Well, like it accentuates his crotch a lot. And also his pecs. Yeah. But then he, uh, he's grown a beard out for this, which is kind of like how, and then he wears it with a giant, like, black and red cloak and the Russian hat, which I don't know the name of. Oh, Ushanka. Yeah, big fur. Yes. He's got a big fur collar and a big fur hat. Yeah. I like it. It works. It's, it's a little, yeah. little male strippery, but that's fine in a thing like this. Exactly. 
Polaris's looks like kind of a big magnetic bubble, like green bubble around her entire body. That was the thing is like in some of her like pose pictures. Yeah. It seemed like this is all metal and she's just like folding it to however she wants it to look. I mean, I am totally in favor of practical usage of powers for vain and, and, uh, you know, can you imagine accidentally running into her? Yeah. (laughs) Giant hunk of metal. (laughs) Oh man. North star looks like, I mean, he's got a musketeer look as well. Yeah. This is one I didn't like as much. Just like, well, he's, his costume is flashy. Yeah. That's already. Yeah. And this is just that, but with less white. Yeah. And then you get Doc Ken. Yep, just wearing a suit, a gray suit. I with love, I love it. His his tribal motif tattoo. On, yes, I want this jacket. That is really. I want this jacket. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm yeah. so down for that. Yeah, I love. I oh man, this this I I would rock that so yeah. hard. <laughs> yes, I need to find it. I love Prodigy's look for him. Basically, a a a, a long dress. Or a long skirt that's shoulderless, strapless, with a big butterfly wings thing going on behind it, all in gold, gold wrap uh, shoes and gold sun, gold glasses. Mm-hmm. And then Aurora in this blue flowing dress, yeah. dark blue. Pretty simple, but it works for her. I like it a lot. Right. The artist presentation of this makes it look yeah. like flowing water and yeah. like waves. Didn't really come off as that in the comics, mm-hmm. but I like this. Yeah. And then iBoy has, I think it's a Hindu god that has that like, is it uh, Ganesh yeah. that has the fucking like strap, that chain that goes up and around. Yeah, yeah. And it's all eyes. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's all artistic eyes, I should say. And, and then, then just sort of like. Just like a toga. Yeah. Like a <laughs> wrapped wrap around, around his. his yeah. His, uh his waist and then just kind of trailing behind him. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's quite a statement. Look, it, it, it really sets him apart here. I'd, I would never wear something like this myself, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's high fashion. I think it gets the job done very well. Yeah. Kyle just looks good. You like this? Yeah. It's a little, I don't know. There, there, there's a, there's, there's an air about having a jacket that only rests on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little Montecito for me, but yes. But um, I like the look. I like the color scheme. I like the black, blue, and silver. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like it 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 presents as like a mutant accepted human <laughs> yes for sure for the gala because yeah, yeah. he's going to be the 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 best dressed human at yes, the gala for sure that is true bishop just kind of looks like like he's at a sex party uh, an open <laughs> red vest a, a red mask and then tight red leather, leather pants yeah and, his and red slippers yeah or choke boots Sebastian. Just wearing an admiral's costume. Very fitting for him. Yeah. He looks like a fleet admiral. Yeah. Pyro has an interesting look. He looks like a um a matador. Yes. I like this. He's got kind of like a he's got a maroon suit with a flame, gold flame motif around the shoulders and arms, and then like a a fring, a band of yellow fringe going from his neck down to his waist. It's a good mm-hmm. look. 
Banshee basically made his costume into clothes. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> he made his cape into a regular cape. And it's then like, yeah. It's a green suit with white collar. I mean, yeah. yellow collar. And then a tie that isn't around his collar at all. It's like open suit over his pecs. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty ridiculous, but sure, fine. I don't get Iceman. I think it would look a lot better in action in person. Like it looks right. like frozen and blocky to me, but I imagine it like moves in a cool way practically. Mm-hmm. Cause he's, he's got like a, a big like dress and tail basically made of yeah. ice. And then these sort of like ice wings and the ice jewels around his, uh, around his like collarbone are cool. Yeah. So I guess my thing is like, what did Jumbo do? Yeah. Like Jumbo gave him glasses and that that's about it. And I hate the glasses. So, and so like, I feel like they could have, I wanted them to do something better. The, the powers based ones are quite, (laughs) quite lazy on Jumbo's part. Unless Jumbo was like, Hey, this is the design. Make this with your powers. Right. But so like, I feel like if he gave him like, like a really fancy light blue suit that accentuated ice or like maybe he just mm. held ice around him or something. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, because I'm such a fanboy of Iceman, I think I yeah. want him to look the best. And yeah. This is pushing on the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I don't like it. It's, it looks like, it looks like a particularly awkward transformer. Yes, like, okay. This robot mode is, is really pushing the limits guys. Mm-hmm. Psylocke, aka Quan, and I like a lot. This sort of purple kimono with cherry blossoms going all the way down and, and kind of off it so that they start to look like, like a sash. Yeah. yeah. And then, so yeah, Sinister's cape now comes down in front as well. It's just extra <laughs> sinister. Yeah, good for you, bud. And he has two collars. I'm extremely happy for him. Yes, it looks amazing. Exodus just looks like exodus's costume exodus yeah it's just it's Boo. just a new artist on exodus Boo. <laughs> that's all that is i like havoc's design i like what they said about havoc's design which is like uh in in the issue they're like it just looks like you're angry at your parents or something like that because <laughs> i like so i like that his like shoulder rings are a throwback to his original costume yeah his his mask Mm-hmm. And then because of the way that we present his powers with those like concentric rings, yes, it's cool that he has those on his, uh, his long coat. Mm-hmm. And then you have Mystique presented in the same way that Colossus was, yeah. where they mentioned that it's unknown what parts of her costume are her and what parts <laughs> yeah. are Carnation. And that is amazing. Yes, that's <laughs> awesome. And yeah, it's it's a pretty simple like sort of fur motif slip of a dress that kind of changes colors as it goes down from white to black to navy and then a big navy sort of like shawl. Uh-huh. Yep, looks good. And I like it, it. It's a cool, they do a cool mention of that there are fans in the community of feminine mystique and also masculine mystique yes totally and that tonight for the gala we got feminine mystique right i thought that was cool that is cool shout outs to betty frieden dazzler is just dazzling 
yeah all over the place yeah just pure disco bell bottoms etc it's it's nothing new it's nothing super exciting you could have uh-huh. you could have uh, yeah could have done more i like loa's look with uh yeah, the lionfish yeah it really is reminiscent of uh her costume but it's not just repeating her costume yeah, it also plays to her power. Like exactly. it just makes it look like it's ribboning off. Yeah, this like is another one of my is. favorites. Honestly, I also really like Mercury's, where it's not even clothes she's wearing; it's just an effect on her. Yeah, it's just like she body. got painted. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. And then Nightcrawler still doing the Errol Flynn thing. Give it up, buddy. Little swashbuckler. Yeah. <laughs> Pixie's hair. That's a big blowout for Pixie. I like the butterflies <laughs> in it, but like. My God, girl, get it under control. Right. I like her dress, though. It's a yeah. nice dress. Yeah, nice dress. I mean, it's, it's simple, black. Yep. It has a couple of mesh parts, but... Always works. Nice. How many more of these do we got? My God. There's a lot. You wanted to do this. I know I wanted to do this. I'm sorry. This is your bed, Steven. <laughs> I know. I'm going to lie in it. We got we got five more pages. So 10 more pages. Yeah. So Mirage. Looks a little busy. I like the headpiece, but... Yeah, I don't know. Too much gold. (laughs) Yeah, for... Yeah, I I guess I've never... I never really associated Mirage with gold. Danny. Karma's... Love it. Felt like... Really? It's it's just so much. It's just crazy. It feels like like ridiculous runway fashion that... It is ridiculous runway fashion, I will say that. Yeah, with the the asymmetric clasps on the on the jacket and just like way oversized and the weird uh, the the collar being cut into pieces looks like her powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a giant pink overcoat. Yeah, that goes down to her thighs and then shoes. Yeah, shoes to match. Yeah, Warlock didn't wear anything. Well, he's got he, he parted his wires of hair down the middle and then grew himself a bow tie for this picture. But yeah, he never shows true. up. <laughs> he, he never represents as that. I don't know how they did magics, but I like magics. <laughs> yeah, those those floating horns, those giant floating horns, and then this sort of like color changing light and dark dark child motif for this. Well, it's just that it's like see-through. Yeah, but it's it's see-through, but it's also somehow has different colors on the front and back. Which <laughs> yeah, the be inside possible. the inside goes from orange to yellow from yeah. top to bottom, but then on the other side is white and and translucent. The entire yeah. thing is translucent, and then she has her dark child armor yep. on her left arm. Warpaths, I don't love too much. Warpaths is weird. I don't understand the shoulders. I don't understand the shoulders at all. Big spiky shoulders. And then the rest just kind of looks like a space captain or something. Mm-hmm. Don't love it. Magneto, quite proper and dandy. Yeah, he looks like an 1800s uh, aristocrat. Yeah, it fit, it's fitting. I like it. I guess I would have wanted more metal. Mm, I like that it, it's primarily in white, like his uh, his current costume is. Mm-hmm. Even though he keeps his black and and red costumes in his room, mm. depending on the need, he was also for a time the White King of the Hellfire Club. Oh, you know that? Yeah, Frenzy's look, I like it a lot. Just like a bunch of ribbons tied from a sort of shoulder piece over her breasts and down, tied into a belt, and then into kind of like extending into a skirt. Works. Mm-hmm. 
Wiz kid looks funny. Uh, got the glow up of all glow ups. I don't understand all of the jacks. Yeah. It's very strange. And the space helmet is a little much, but I continue to enjoy the whiz kid glow up because he was so awkward in the eighties, <laughs> like bordering on like racist stereotype mm. of Japanese people. Got it. Cora highlights her chamber chest, mm-hmm. which is, which is cool. And Otherwise, it looks like a handmaiden's tail outfit. <laughs> it was a little much, yeah. But yeah, I like the opening into the chamber chest. That's really cool. Eden Fessy. Yeah, the manifold look. I like it. I like it too. It's just like flashy enough, but also like fashion e. It's it looks yeah, good. Yeah, it does look good. It is it is like gaudy version of regular clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is a jacket, like this sort of open double-breasted jacket with all of these crazy like circles and and waves and things on it, but kind of just adding to a very simple, good-looking orange jacket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then headband to match. Gambits, I don't understand at all. Like, <laughs> what does this have to do? I mean, his costumes have always sucked. I don't know if he's ever had a good costume, but we're not. So we don't have much to work off of the pink. I get, but like, what are these sort of like design work on, on his jacket uh, along, along the sleeves. And then I get that he wants to show off his body. He does that a lot too. And then this big Cape is just, I guess, supposed to be reminiscent of his trench coat, but it seems a little much. What do you yeah. think? It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. As far as like for Gambit. Mm-hmm. Jubilee, I'm trying to get on board with. Yeah. It's kind of like a big star motif on a floor, floor length, one shoulder dress with like a one big kimono sleeve. And yeah, it's, it's fine. I mean, yeah, the design, I yeah. like the design. I just, I, I don't Doesn't see. Doesn't feel very the, Jubilee. Yeah, I don't yeah. see I don't see the defense for putting on Jubilee. Monarch, all white, looking like a white king chess piece. I like that a lot. I, it's a really cool design because he, he he uses his powers to blank out all of the color on his entire body. And he's just <laughs> in the pages of the book he, books he's presented as all white, and that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Megan. Gloriana. Looks like a fairy tale princess. Yeah. Suit, suitable for her tiara and everything mm-hmm. not really breaking any boundaries here but she's kind of uh, been relegated to a background character in excalibur so don't need to work too hard to be like who is that richter we get it dude you're you're really brooding these days yeah the face paint is yeah obnoxious. the face paint and the cloak come on just show your face I like the design of the cloak. I like that. So the black with the with the brilliant Branches. green yeah. tree on the back. It's a, it's a cool look. The and then like I guess what I would have wanted for his suit is instead of these like jagged like root lines. Yeah, I would have wanted something more like concentric circles that mm. represented his like original Richter powers. Yeah. and then the cloak is like his new druid identity. That would be cool. But I, I like the 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 green and black suit and then the black and green f- 
for yeah. his cloak. I just, I think I would, I would want to see his face a little more. I, I'm sick of brooding Richter. Get him, get him, let him party. I guess he didn't want to do that at the show, at the, at the party, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, well. So Wolverine just dusted off his old patched outfit. Yeah. Again, like all of the members of X-Force kind of have this, um, this tuxedo and bolo tie look going on. Domino, of course, had to add uh, a row of patches around or, or pouches around her, uh, around her thigh because she is a Rob Liefeld created character after all. Yeah. And kid Omega just likes to uh, have patches. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> beast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's got the shorts poor version beast. of that. Yeah, poor Beast has physically changed so much yeah. in the last, you know, 70 years. Right. But like, oh man, he doesn't look good in a suit. No. The way they have him in his no. current mutation. No. <laughs> still doesn't look good. And, and then last, last tops one. off with Xavier. White bodysuit, so weird. I'm curious. Yeah, gold. It's a, okay, so it's all white with a lot of gold accent. And then his helmet is gold and white and i'm curious if he painted an existing cerebro helmet or if jumbo made it or yeah. if they made a new cerebro helmet specifically for the hellfire gala that was made out of gold and, and white great question also why wouldn't he just show his face during this like he he did it for the world economic forum yeah it's true well, and that's that. That's that. Thanks for going through that with me. Yep. For stretching in what a, very long what a short podcast episode. even longer. Yep. Well, next week, what do we got? Back to our regular scheduled program. I have yep. Ben Riley Spider-Man. I have Oh, Moon Knight and Avengers. Are we doing uh, Sandman next week? Another eight issues or four? I think this is four. I think it's a shorter one. I'll confirm with you. Yeah. And then we've got, I've got basically what the X-Men were doing during the shattering after the team broke up, just different separate road trips for each of the members. Uh, So that's a couple issues each of um, uncanny and X-Men. And then I might have other things after that. I'm not sure. Okay. Depends on how fast I read. Maybe some X-Men, your favorite and mine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right i cool. have i have a handful of things i need to do before cool. i twitch so right. i am going to put the outro music here Boom. and uh, i got around cool right, oh yeah vegetarians you guys you guys the people who primarily eat vegetables have the most non-solid dropping